take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Well, nobody's taking anybody to the ball game today, tomorrow, or anytime soon because of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Opening day for the Royals was scheduled for Thursday in Chicago against the White Sox with the home opener at Kauffman Stadium next week. But that doesn't mean we can't talk baseball on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. And so we will with play-by-play man Denny Matthews, who will begin his 52nd year in the booth for the Royals. 52 years, that is all of the Royals' years. Denny was on the call for the franchise's first game in 1969, and he's been behind the mic for the biggest moments in franchise history. On Wednesday from his home, Denny spoke with star columnist Vahe Gregorian and myself, Blair Kirkhoff, on many topics, starting with the delayed season, We chatted about Denny's love of ice hockey, his passion for baseball, and stay tuned for what probably is my favorite call of his career. You know, we didn't ask him about his, we should have, but I love this call of the final out of the 2014 American League Championship Series when the Royals clinched at home against the Baltimore Orioles. So here we go with Denny Matthews, with Vahe Gregorian, and me. We could start with this thought, Denny, because it it really struck me yet the last time I saw you, was really only about, I want to say, three weeks ago in Surprise. And we were, uh, I think, both chatting with a couple of young men from that were out there with the Kansas City Urban Youth Academy. And, um, and we started chatting, and, and it was fresh after the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl. And I think you brought up the point to me that sometimes you think things are just meant to be, and, as it was with the 2015 Royals and, and the Chiefs. And then all of a sudden... This coronavirus thing seems meant to be, and I, I don't, I don't know how you've processed that sudden change. But I, but I thought we'd start there, just to ask you what what it felt like when you started understanding what what the consequence was going to be. Well, first and foremost, I thought that uh, spring training was a little strange at the beginning. It was earlier than ever, and uh, as you guys know, baseball has its own seasonal routines and rhythms and schedules obviously but this spring just seemed it seemed different the early start the weather in Arizona wasn't quite as as nice and warm as it usually is more rain than usual uh, the open season date which would be tomorrow in Chicago, in Chicago of all places good luck and then in Detroit and that just seemed a little skewed and and strange so yeah the whole thing just seemed out of kilter for me and uh, and all of a sudden now everybody's breaking camp and heading everywhere in the country and uh, it just seemed like the end of the season and then it all of a sudden lapsed into what for me is kind of a typical off season this just is an extension of the off season in a sense with a nice three week stay in Arizona but um, 
Yeah, everything seemed uh, off the axis or something. So, Denny, how are you spending these days? It, it is like the off-season, but, but different in that you've um, we still have a season to play. Um, how are you? How are you handling the the downtime? Well, as I said, Brad, it's just kind of an extension of, of the off season, and I'm never bored. I've got plenty of things to do around around home, and uh, I was clever enough, unknowingly, and I do this all the time. And I, as you guys probably know, I'm a hockey fan, and I have the hockey package, and I record one or two games every night with no hope of all, ever watching all of them. And uh, all of a sudden, I've got about 36 hockey games on my on my grid. I don't know what the outcome of the games were. So, hey, everybody's bemoaning the lack of sports, and me too. But, hey, I've got 34, 35, 36 hockey games that I can watch every night if I want to. So I've got that going typical off-season things, a couple of rooms need to be straightened up, there are books and magazines that I haven't read that I'd like to get to, Uh, a couple of TV shows of long ago, Boston Legal and Northern Exposure, I purchased the entire seasons of those on DVD, and I just started to get into those, and again, it was like the hockey, I don't know when I was going to ever watch them, but now it's a good excuse, and I'm not going to go anywhere, you can't go anywhere, so... uh, yeah, it's, it's different, but it's uh, kind of an extension of the offseason. Denny, uh, it occurs to me um, on Twitter, our friend Joe Buck has been having some fun soliciting people uh, to send them videos that he'll do play-by-play for. I wonder if you're doing anything uh, in particular to keep your play-by-play sharp, uh, anything around the house or, or anything like that that you're working on? of what would have been opening day and, and a, a couple things come to mind because of that. I, I, I wonder over the years what, what opening day has come to mean to you, what, what you usually feel like it stands for or symbolizes and that, how, how excited it, it, it still might make you, Danny. Opening day is always a day of renewal and hope and 
you're undefeated at that point in time. Everybody's going to have a good year. And uh, it's just a great day. It's turned into a kind of a civic celebration here in town, which I think is wonderful. And I remember back in, I'm going to say the maybe late 70s into the early 80s, there were two or three or four opening days, which were opening nights. And it just, it was okay, but it didn't have the same feeling because I think people like to get out of work and go to opening day game and you can make excuses or sometimes you don't have to depending on your boss and it's just a challenge to get out to the ballpark and there's a, an excitement and a buzz in the air hour and a half before first pitch. So yeah, opening, opening day is hard to beat. And, and Denny, um, I know these, have, these examples are in the... Um you know, long ago, but this isn't the first time that baseball hasn't, um, that it's missed its opening day and or missed time because of work stoppages and lockouts and 9-11. There have been other examples of baseball having to um, to interrupt, the season being interrupted. I'm wondering if this feels different or if there's a different sense about this stoppage. Yeah, it game is going to be when is spring training going to start they're going to have to go through spring training all over again basically maybe shorten it a little bit with fewer players but uh, yeah where does it, when is opening day and what's the schedule going to look like and it's a little bit unsettling I think and uh, you, you have to adjust you have to you have to go through those things and I remember words my dad spoke to me when I was I don't know, maybe grade school or early high school, and he said, life is nothing more than a series of adjustments. And, of course, I didn't understand what the heck he was talking about at that time, but through the years, I kind of figured it out, and it was dead on it. You, uh, you have to adjust. Life throws sliders and curveballs and change-ups at you all the time, and uh, if you make good decisions and good adjustments, well, then you should get through it okay. Denny, uh, uh, sports is such a part of your life, and and uh, I I assume that, um, that that you recorded all those hockey games. Uh, that that's that's part of what's going to be your good decisions to get through these these weeks. Um, but I'm interested. I, I I don't know the history of why you're still playing hockey, why you still love hockey. I I, I well that, that will be a diversion for you to watch. Uh, I don't imagine you'll be playing in the weeks to come. But didn't you just come out of another winter of playing? I played some. Again, nobody ever accused me of being smart. But it is great exercise. You meet really good people, and we have an interesting core of guys and ladies, by the way, who play, and they're very good. The ladies are good, and they have fun. It's uh, it's just a, an hour, hour and a half of great exercise. You're working out, but you're not in a uh, gym with a treadmill and how boring, you know, oh my gosh, I, how can I get through this? But all of a sudden you've had a great workout and you sweat like the Dickens and uh, and it's just fun. It's just a, I've tried almost every sport you can think of and I think hockey is so different, I think because you're on a different surface. I, normally you're on land, running, jogging, walking, you're playing golf. But hockey, you're, you're just flying along, and it's just a totally different feel, and it's a hard game to play. I mean, the, number one, you got to be able to skate halfway decent, and then the hand-eye coordination, and trying to figure out where everybody is on the ice, and who's coming at you, and who's open for a pass, and it's really, it, it's 
it's not like baseball where you can stand there and, at second base and think about what am I going to do if the ball's hit to me. Hockey, you're just reacting. I mean, you're better, and you better make good decisions. So it's a totally different sport and, uh, and just a lot of fun. And there's so many factors that go into why I got into hockey, and I didn't even learn how to skate until I was, I don't know, 16 or 17 or 18 years old, which you're way behind all the other guys who start when they're three and four. But uh, eventually you get to the point where you can make it from one end to the other, and it's uh, just a lot of fun. Were you going to go to a Blackhawks game this weekend if uh, if you guys had been up in Chicago? Tonight. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we were going to go tonight. I I have a very good friend, two of two very good friends with the Blackhawks, Jay Blunk being the best friend because I was all the way through kindergarten, grade school, and high school with his mother in Bloomington, Illinois. So. Uh, I've known Jay since he was a little tyke, and I used to come up to Comiskey Park, and I'd get them tickets to the Royals and the White Sox, and we've had a great relationship all through the years, and uh, and Jay has always been very, very, very nice to uh, accommodate myself, and we used to go up, some friends and I, five, six guys would go up at the Christmas break, I'd be back home in Illinois, and we'd go up to see a Blackhawks game, and Jay would take great care of us, and nice, sweet, and I got to sit with Stan Makita, uh, one of the games, and just talking to him, sitting there and talking to him, and I grew up watching and listening to the Blackhawks, reading about the Blackhawks, and of course, Makita was one of my favorites, and uh, what a nice man, and just give me some great insights into how hockey was when he broke in. And so, yeah, we were going to go tonight, and I think we were going to, I was going to take about five of the guys, and uh, it's going to be fun. We were going to go to the Palace Cafe, which is about three blocks from the United Center, and and uh, and have dinner, and then go over, see the game, and I'm sure Jay would have taken great care of us tonight, so that's kind of a downer, but uh, that would have been a great way to, to spend an off day, off night in the Windy City. You know, along the lines of what Blair asked you before, too, Denny, I, I went in those other stoppages. Do you recall um, what what you did then to uh, to handle the curveball and and how you how you got through those times? Did did, did you have anything in particular that was uh, uh, either good for you or, or or ways to provide diversions for fans? I'm not sure I, I quite understand the question by. Just, just how? What do you recall about how uh, how you went through those other times where there were baseball stoppages? How you, uh, what you did to process that time? Yeah, it was again. You kind of lapse into the off season mode, and they came at different times of the year too. Um, of course, the big one was the year we lost the World Series, and that ended. Oh boy, what, late June? I'm thinking early July, and then the season was washed away. There was the uh, the year of the substitute players when the players' union and the owners couldn't agree, and then we had the substitute players coming to spring training and starting a season, and then that ended, and then they had another spring training. That was, that was different. But they all came at different times of the year, but you still... I guess I, I tell people, they say, when are you going to retire? And what are you going to do when you retire? And I said, well, you stop and think about it. My schedule goes from 1st of March, roughly, until the uh, 1st of October. And then from October until I go to spring training, I'm kind of retired. I mean, I, 
and I so I've always found ways to amuse myself or just alive. Got a, a lot of different interests, so it's not a problem. What are you going to do in the off season? There's always something to do, and I think it would be the same thing. And yeah, it was just again adjusting to the situation. You have no control over it, and you do the best you can. Denny, you, you mentioned the different feel for this spring training, and. Uh, and in one way, it's it's obviously different. Is there's a new manager and a new owner for this for, for the Royals, and I, I'm wondering if if that contributed to your sense of a, of a different take on, on on spring training, and and just if you can give us an observation on on both gentlemen, on Mike Matheny and and John Sherman. Yeah, I think uh, I think both are going to be terrific, and. John Sherman, I have had a chance to talk to him two or three times, but briefly, and uh, whenever we talk, we say, I got, I got a lot to tell you, and he'll tell me, I've got a lot to tell you and ask you, and I said, same to you. So we're going to find a time, and hopefully it was going to be during spring training, but obviously that didn't happen. And uh, Mike Matheny, I'll tell you a story about Mike Matheny that just knocked me backwards. I met Mike briefly when he was managing the Cardinals. And then he joined the Royals as yeah, kind of been a, a scout, an advisor, counsel to the GM and so forth. Same thing that Ned Yost did a year before he became manager. So the year of the hiring of Matheny as an advanced scout, let's call him, I saw him in spring training and talked to him for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, had a nice talk with him. Boy, what a, what a smart, nice man. And I just really had a good feeling about it. And I thought, well, like Ned Yost, I'll see him two or three times at our ballpark during the regular season. It never happened because Mike did not want to crowd Ned Yost. He didn't want rumors to be flying around. He was he did his job. He did what Dave Moore asked him to do. He saw a lot of the young players and stayed in St. Louis. I never did see him. Late November, I'm sitting in my chair watching hockey probably, I don't know. And I get a little buzz on my phone. And it's a text from Mike Matheny. It was Hi, Denny, this is Mike Matheny. I don't have it in front of me. I would read it to you. But uh, it was, I, I've had a chance to listen to your broadcast as I've roamed around the minor leagues. And he said, and he said, you remind me of a cross between Ernie Harwell and Ben Scully. And I'm thinking, oh, come on now, let's go. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to go there. But And he said, I've learned a lot about the Royals and their history. And he said, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't wait to sit down and talk to you. Uh, he said, I've read one of your books. I've read his book, by the way, which is really good. And uh, so I'm thinking, wow, this that is a classy, classy move by a classy guy. And what happened to St. Louis, who knows? I mean, talk about getting a bad rap. He was, is the only manager in Major League history to get his team into the playoffs in his first four years. That, by trying to replace a Hall of Fame manager, Larissa, and never having any managerial experience. I'm thinking, what in the heck? This guy's got to be doing something right. And that's pretty impressive. And as impressive as that is, he is much more impressive 
as a man, my opinion. Danny, kind of along the same lines, um, it, it, it probably was too early for you to have a real impression of how Mike was connecting with the team necessarily or what, where this team is. But I, but I do wonder if, if, if you've come to some, uh, you had come to some feeling about uh, where, the, where it stands after the last couple of years and with this, with this sort of new energy of Mike coming in. Yeah, I think he really energized the guys and just talking to some of them over the three weeks that I was down there, they were just really enthusiastic about his ideas, his approach to things. He would, I remember Whitey Herzog doing this. Whitey would during batting practice and, and spring training wander all over the fields and just stand and talk to a guy for four, five, six minutes and just really make them feel like, you know, I'm with you. This is, we're all in this together. This is a team deal. And I saw Mike doing the same thing. And Whitey was so good at communicating with his players and he could make the 23rd, 24th, 25th guy on the team feel like they were in the starting lineup every night. He just had that way. He just had that way about him. That's why he was so successful as a manager everywhere he went. And he just, he just, Mike, I think, has some of the same characteristics, at least his willingness and his ability to communicate with the young players and the veteran players and and his vast experience with Hanes as a as a player. And so I think it's gonna serve him very well. I just I will be shocked to my core if he doesn't do a good job. I I really do. I, I would be stunned. Denny Gear, season number fifty two coming up for you. How's your energy these days? Why did you have to bring that up? <laughs> Those are ugly numbers, aren't they? Well, who, who, who in the game? It's, who, who? No, it's, um, I thought I'd retire when I was 50, <laughs> when I was 40. <laughs> Late night flight from somewhere to somewhere and got in the hotel at 4.45 in the morning. Yeah, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to retire when I'm 50. Well, I didn't make it. And here we are, year 52, staring me in the eye. But, uh, yeah, it's it's as much fun. It's as enjoyable now as it was on opening day in 1969. I've, I'm probably a little bit smarter, I would hope, and uh, I've met so many great people. And, oh, gosh, I, you know, you could go on and on and on about that for quite a while. I know you guys are time-constrained, and uh, but uh, it's... People say, well, it's an accomplishment, and yeah, I guess so. And, uh, and my dad told me, he said, if, if, you, if you really do a good job and you hang around long enough and you buy a tux, every once in a while you might get a little plaque or an award. Well, I guess I've done a good enough job to hang around for a while. <laughs> Danny, this is probably hard to get your arms around to, a way to express this, even even for you. But I, I do wonder if there's there's a way to describe what it is you do love about it, uh, it because you don't do this for as long as you've done it um, without that kind of feeling. Well, I think it goes all the way back to growing up, and uh, I get back to my dad again. He was my dad was the first All American baseball player at Illinois State University 
He played shortstop and second base, and I've got three younger brothers, and my dad taught all four of us the game. Uh, he would play with us as fathers and sons and daughters do now. And uh, but he was he was a good coach. He really was, and uh, he taught me to play in the infield and, and bat left-handed. And uh, he said that's an advantage because you're going to be closer to first base, and I could run pretty good, and so it helped. And and it was it was just one of those things where you get involved with baseball. And I collected the baseball cards and always bought the magazines that came out previewing the upcoming season, and I'd lay in front of the big radio in the middle of the summer with my baseball cards and have the two teams all in order, batting order, and then the pitchers all together, and just kind of laying there and and soaking it all in, and just going out and playing in the backyard and playing with football and getting six or seven guys together and go over to Fell Avenue Park and, and play baseball when we're still in grade school. And we didn't outgrow the park, although we did when we got a little bit older. But uh, a couple of broken windows later, then we changed our venue. But uh, that was all part of it. It's all part of growing up, listening to the games, being involved in the games, and you just you just have a love for for the for the game, and it just carried over. And then when I I got old enough, I thought, well, you know broadcasting baseball would be would be a neat job and so I kind of aimed for that and I was lucky enough to get the job when I was just basically out of college and and worked with a guy who was a great coach and mentor Buddy Blattner and taught me a lot about a lot of things I didn't know anything about because I really hadn't had that much experience. I had a chance in college in between playing football and baseball to broadcast some high school and college basketball on the local radio station and that's kind of where it started for me in that regard but uh, just an inherent love of the game of baseball and you know fostered by my dad and uh, it carried over from there yeah the only other thought i had denny at, at, at the moment is just so tomorrow will be opening day and i, I i'm sure you'll be cognizant of that or what was what was going to be opening day i i what do you suppose that will feel like for you when, when uh, the afternoon comes and, and you're not there and, and we're all just waiting? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I'll, I'll probably see a great big old gap right in front of me. And, you know, where are the, where are the players? Where's the, where's the ballpark? You know, we're jumping the car and go out to the ballpark and do a game. Which uh, maybe they should have done. Maybe they should have uh, reconsidered instead of KC at Chicago maybe they should have reconsidered Chicago at KC which makes it a little more uh, probable that you get the game in I guess the weather in Chicago is going to be okay but my gosh when you're trying to play five games three in Chicago and two in Detroit the last week of March you are really rolling the dice but uh, I I guess we could have played it Uh, maybe the conditions wouldn't have been a plus, but uh, that's what you're dealing with all through the month of April, of course. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, like I said, a big hole, a big gap there, and you just think, boy, oh boy, what's uh, what's the end game? Where are we going to where are we going to go with this? And when can I finally sit down and say thanks, Ryan? Thanks, Jizz, whoever it is, and uh, here we go, and let's get the season going. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be strange. It's going to be different. Well, we're we're sure looking forward to uh, that day too, Danny, and and can't thank you enough for spending time with us, uh, especially during this strange time. And 
Just really appreciate it, and, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the weeks to come. Thanks, Danny. Well, I look forward myself, and uh, you two are two of my favorites. I've told you that before. You guys do great work, and uh, I know you're really challenged now because you really don't have a, a whole lot to write about. It's got to be strange for you guys, too. I know it is, and uh, but uh, we'll get through it. Hang in there. You know, you got to be tough. you got to adjust. Don't, don't forget that. So... Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, soon. Okay, Denny, we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience... Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Alejandro de Aza. Pinch runner at first, good speed, one and two on Hardy. And Craig Holland brings it home. Bouncing ball, Moustakis, fair ball, sets, throws, Royals win it. Kansas City, you've got a World Series. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and a shout-out to our production team of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Denny Matthews, thanks for sharing your time, and always, Vahe, thanks a lot. Hey, be sure to read Vahe's column on Denny in Thursday's Kansas City Star and on KansasCity.com. And remember, the Star's coronavirus coverage is not behind a paywall. Keep up with the latest news and information about this health crisis by following Kansas City's leading news source, the Star and KansasCity.com. Hey, we'll be back on Thursday for another episode of Sportsbeat KC.